it is another edition of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I am Colby Daniels along with Jeremy Poplin and we say hello to Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz hotline. Uh, Dusty, this is supposed to be the time of year where things die down a little bit, right? The dead period, so it's called. That has not been the case this week and certainly uh, at Oklahoma yesterday, it felt like the news was was fast and furious. It, it was um, a lot of news around college football, transfer portal, and obviously uh, coaching carousel in Norman as Ted Roof out. And then we found out last night after you and I speak, uh, Zach Alley in uh, a, a Brent Venables disciple from their Clemson days, spent 12 to 18 together before Alley took off and kind of forged his own path. Most recently, the D coordinator at Jacksonville State. Uh, young, not married, no kids, grinder. And I don't know if you've seen any of their videos, but his mannerisms, his coaching style, it looks like Brent Venables 2.0. Um, eerily similar in every regard. But I know uh, Coach Venables has the utmost respect for Zach. I think they wanted to go younger, get some energy. I think that they feel that'll be great, both in that linebacker room and as far as recruiting goes. So, um, can't, I can't wait to meet him. Uh, but I talked to several people on the staff today and a lot of people singing this guy's praises and excited to get him to Norman and get him to work. Well, as we talked about yesterday, you know, this is, at the end of the day, this is, this is Brent Venables defense and whether it goes well or it doesn't, I mean, you know, Brent Venables is ultimately the guy that is, uh, is calling the shots. And, uh, I guess, you know, it's, it's a question of what you need at that position, and if Zach Alley is as close to Brent Venables as anyone else, I mean, he's an extension of Brent Venables, essentially, and, and uh, able to maybe carry out the things that Brent ultimately wants to have happen on the defensive side of the football. 100%. And that, essentially, this entire staff is, um, you know, uh, Brandon Hall. He was the Zach Alley back at Oklahoma when I played uh, way back. That was Coach Venables' GA, his right-hand man, did everything in lockstep together, and obviously – uh, they're thick as thieves, and, and, and Brandon Hall has done a sensational job uh, there with the safeties. I guess really the lie is the only one that's kind of outside of that, that Venables realm because Miguel Chavis was a, uh, you know, an analyst, uh, and kind of GA, then analyst there on that Clemson staff. So he kind of only knows that Brent Venables mantra and how he goes about his business. Todd Bates obviously worked hand-in-hand -hand with Coach Venables, and now you bring in a guy – who literally learned how to coach, how to how to teach defense, how to teach linebackers from Coach Venables. So uh, there's a strong Brent Venables influence on this staff. And look, he's a defensive coordinator. Like I, I don't want to I don't want to sell Zach Alley short. Uh, he's going to have an influence on the game plan. But this is Brent Venables' defense, and you know I, I think that if Brent Venables, admittedly last year, you know if he had a bigger emphasis on the defense. I think you should only expect even more right. this year. Like, he's not dialing it back. He's only cranking it up. And we talked about that yesterday. So, and I, I think that this hire just reaffirms that conversation that we had. Look, it's year three in the system. It's first year in the SEC. I just, there's no way they were going to bring, and I threw out Jim Leonard, which I knew that that wasn't going to happen. There's no way in, you know, year three, such an important year with this transition and knowing that you got to bring it every week in the SEC. I mean, it's just the way it is. Every single week, you will get beat. 
you will get exposed, especially with that schedule that Oklahoma has in front of it. So uh, there's no way that there was going to be some, you know, someone outside of, of his purview come in, change anything in any way. Uh, I mean, extension of Brent Venables is exactly right. But like I said to you yesterday, I mean, he's the scout team quarterback at practice. I mean, he's got, <laughs> he's got as much or more influence on this defense as any defensive coordinator in the country. And, and that's not changing. That's only going to continue uh, moving forward, especially with this hire. Well, Brent Venables is one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. And I mean, short of hiring like a Jim Knowles, there's no way that you, any Sooner fan could have the expectation that you're going to make a hire that gives you a better opportunity to coach the defense than the guy that is currently in the head coaching seat that is going to be go- doing a lot of that stuff anyway, as you just pointed out. And like to take nothing away from Zach Alley, and I don't know him, I don't, he, he may be a, a genius, right, in waiting. Uh, you don't hire a defensive coordinator from Jacksonville State at the age of 29 to get the OUDC job if Brent Venables is is going to say I'm backing off of this thing, right? Like I'm I'm going to I'm going to turn the keys over to someone else defensively. Probably not a defensive coordinator from Jacksonville State that you would be handing those keys over to completely. No chance. Um he's not taking his hands on the wheel. He's at he's at 2 o'clock. Uh he's at 10 o'clock and he's squeezing tightly on that wheel. Um best believe that. So uh, it, it's 100% spot on like that's where, like, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think you'll see much, if any, changes. Like, nothing's going to change uh, as far as again, younger. I think it's the one thing you know. Just how linebackers taught, though. Again, if you ever been to practice, Coach Venables is literally doing the linebacker drills a lot of time. But I mean, you know, Zach Alley was taught how to coach linebackers from Brent Venables, so. I think that, you know, not that there was a disconnect at all with Ted Roof and Coach V, but I think even when Coach V's not there, you're going to essentially get the exact same verbiage, the exact same everything from him. So I think it's only going to, you know, reaffirm and further exactly what Brent Venables wants, who he is. And again, it, it sure feels like you're hiring a, a young version of Brent Venables to the staff, which, you know, you said he's one of the great D coordinators. I mean, that stretch that they had for a while at Clemson, I think he was the best defensive coordinator in the country, and he was, he was compensated like that. And there was a stretch at Oklahoma for a while that the exact same type of defense was being played. So, I mean, you could argue for a 20-year stretch, it's about as good a run a defense as, as college football seen. And the, the, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. That's what he expects. That's, and he's not going to stop until he gets exactly that. So, um, you know, we'll see. The biggest thing to me at this point is personnel. And I, I sure hope that, you know, I know that they're really high on a couple of these freshmen they've got coming in. Obviously, David Stone. I think there was another kid, uh, Jackson, uh, out of uh, IMG that they're very excited about. Um, but I, that, that's the area for me, like, portal, whether it's this session, next session, like, They've got to upgrade the personnel along the front. I feel good about the linebackers. I feel really good about the safeties. I think the corners, I saw enough out of some of that. those young players. I feel pretty good in those regards. But like the defensive line, and it's not to take shots at anybody, but that's not an elite-level defensive line. And if you want to have an elite defense, 
you better have the dudes up front. I don't care how good the coordinator is. I, I, it doesn't matter to me. If you don't have, you know, high-level defensive linemen and depth at that position, it's going to be tough to be an elite defense. So that's one thing that, like, now that I'm glad that it happened quickly and we now know who's coming in and we can, you know, re-shift the focus because nothing's changing defensively. Like, I go, oh, Ted Roof's out. Who's coming in? Like, nothing's changing. It's it's going to be the same. But what what needs to change or what needs to continue to be upgraded is that defensive line. I guess they got a, a kid from Miami of Ohio who had nine and a half sacks. Think he's got good size, Caden good Willard, length. I believe yeah, his name. I, yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot about him. I really like him, but um, that that to me is what you know has got to improve next season, Colby. Um, I thought they were that they were average up front throughout the entirety of the season, and there aren't many uh, great elite defenses with average defensive lines. That's just, that's that's not the way it goes. Uh, Typically you can be pretty average in other places, but you better be really good up front. And that's that to me, first and foremost is what Oklahoma has to address. And it's the most important aspect of this defense heading into next season. Uh, Going back to Brent Venables and just the hire. And I guess as as you kind of pointed out and talk about some of the, the members on that staff, like Brent has always said, he really values relationships and you look at his defensive staff now, right? And it's all guys that he has long-term relationships with what type of advantages are there? And maybe disadvantages are there to having a staff that has that much continuity, right? Like, like that, that is that close altogether. And, and uh, I mean, I would imagine that in, in some ways it, it, it gives you added trust uh, in terms of, of how you delegate and, and things of that nature. But we've obviously seen situations like with Nick Saban having a rotating door of assistance that that's not necessarily the recipe that you have to have. It's, it's not. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing for any coach is that everybody's on the same page. Everybody understands what's expected. And to me, that's that's a real strength of the staff. Like, they know exactly what Coach Venables wants. They know how he expects it to look. And they also know just his temperament and, and how to deal with him. You know, he, he runs hot now. I mean, he, when you're on the practice field, you're on the game field, he's – He's still Vinny. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's he's softened up in some regards. And I think Dabo, you know, he's changed his outlook in many ways away from the field. But on the field, I mean, he runs hot now. I mean, he, he, he wants it done a certain way. And, you know, he is hell-bent on it being done that way. But so does Nick Saban. So does Kirby Smart. Right. The, the great defensive coaches that I've ever seen or been around, they want it done a certain way. And I think that the biggest thing, that, that continuity, that understanding of that, this staff uh, will have completely. Uh, there, there's no uh, – there won't be any gray area. And I, to me, that is a strength. You could say, well, you know, you, you need to have – be able to look at things from a different lens or you need to have a different perspective and, so that you're well-rounded. You could, you could say that, but I would rather have a staff uh, that there is trust – and, you know, Coach Venables trusts these guys. Yep. These guys trust him. And I think as much as anything, though, it, it's about, you know, understanding what the vision of the head man is and, and knowing what it's going to take to achieve that. And I think that you're – there's going to be no doubt you've got that on the staff. I would say it's as, you know, from, from that aspect, I'd say it's probably as strong as just about anybody you'll find 
in the country from the staff that's been put in place now, uh, having a full understanding of what, uh, you know, the head coach wants and expects out of his players, out of his coaching staff, and out of his defense. Well, and the, the reason I bring that up is because, yes, there are models where, you know, you can do things successfully without having that. But with Brent Venables being so, so early in his head coaching tenure, I would imagine that's probably much more valuable to a guy that hasn't been in that head seat for a long time than for a guy that is, has been through head coaching seasons over and over and over again and, and you know, probably has a really good idea of how he likes to do things. You know, there is an element of Brent still kind of learning this process and having that many guys around him that he trusts and knows how to communicate with and they understand him probably just accelerates his ability to, to be the best head coach he could be. There's no doubt, uh, 100%. Um, and for Nick Saban, it's different, right? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, it'd be a revolving door. It doesn't matter. And you come in and you change, you know, you're going to change and adapt to exactly uh, what he wants. Or you know what? You're going to be out the door and he's going to find somebody else that does that. But, I mean, he's – guys won seven national championships. Right. You know, I mean, he – he know it's, I don't want to say it's on autopilot because he is a grinder of all grinders, but it's just it's a completely different situation. He figured out his template, right? And 100%. I think BV's probably in the process of doing that. He he's got an idea of 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 exactly how he thinks the process should go, but right. he's still learning. Right. He's still tweaking. He's adapting and adjusting. So yeah, I think having having guys on staff uh, that there is that trust. There is that uh, common thought pattern. I think it's it's very valuable. So, uh, you know, I, I'll be I'll be excited to see meet Zach Alley, see him on the practice field, see how he interacts with the players. But I guess you know, not to not to be redundant, but I just don't think you're going to see a whole lot of difference, a whole lot of change. Um, you know, structurally, uh, the way these guys are coached out there on the field, because again. The, the defensive coordinator, I don't care what the title says, <laughs> no. you're going to have the entire staff say defensive coordinator. The defensive coordinator is a head coach, and that's okay. That's not, that's not a bad thing, uh, but that is the, uh, that is the reality of, of what's going on in Norman. This news broke when, – when the roof news broke yesterday, we were on the air, and, like, if, if I hadn't been on the air, my reaction literally would have been like, how about that? Anyway, you know, back to what I was doing, because to your point, like – they're not really losing the defensive coordinator, right? Like it says DC, but they're not really losing the defensive coordinator. Obviously, we talk about it from a lot of different angles because that's our job. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's newsworthy just in yeah. the fact that that something is there's movement and things are happening. But I'm with you in terms of like how much weight there is to this move and how much it's going to shake things. Like I, I would have spent about two seconds being like, oh, how about that, and and on to the next item. Uh, which I guess the next item, Dusty, before we run out of time today, has to be our Dallas Cowboys have a chance to win the NFC East on Sunday against the Washington Commanders, the four-win Washington Commanders. Why am I so nervous? Uh, because we're Cowboys fans, and I think that we just – we kind of almost expect disappointment. It's a layup, right? Like, the layups make me more nervous than the than the tough ones. I don't know. I was pretty nervous against the Lions. Um on Saturday, um, <laughs> that was too close for comfort. By the way, did did we get a gift? I mean, I have, I don't know how you feel about it. Like, I'm still kind of confused on exactly what transpired there. 
I mean, it's pretty clear that Decker goes over yeah. and he says something to the official. Now, I guess the confusion is three of them go over. That way, you know, it creates confusion potentially for the defense. Well, actually, Maybe only that- two went over. Well, then, well, then um, 70 went over late. 70 uh, was running toward him, but he never yeah. fully made it to the official, and that's where the trickeration came in. They were running 70 toward the official like they had done five or six times in that game where yep. he actually did report, but yep. he didn't go all the way and actually report, and I think the official somewhat went into autopilot because that had happened so many times that day that he saw 70 running toward him, and mentally he just thought, okay, 70's reporting, and he, it, it was announced inside AT&T Stadium. The Cowboys were told it was number 70. The entire 100-plus thousand people that were in attendance at that game were told 70 reported. So did the Lions get screwed out of their play call? Absolutely, because the, the official messed up. But you could also argue maybe Dallas defends number 68 if that's the guy that is reported and they're made aware that number 68's reported instead of number 70, right? Like, so... I mean, did the Lions get cheated out of the win? I have a hard time going there because Dallas probably defends it differently or yep. or might have defended it, defended it differently if the, the official actually does report the correct player. But the official not reporting the correct player, I think, robbed both teams of having an authentic play in that circumstance. I agree. So I did not realize that they announced it in, in the stadium. So that that's... Oh, yeah. That's it's the, on the loud... The PA says... And you there, there are several... Uh, recordings of it on the internet that you can hear where they plain as day say number 70 has been reported as eligible. Uh, and I believe that was uh, former Arkansas Razorback Dan Skipper. That's right. I think all six foot nine of him. <laughs> uh, kind of tough to miss. Well, then in that case, then I, I don't, I don't blame anything. By the way, I, I don't care. Doesn't really matter to me. A win's a win. I don't care how they got it. Um <laughs> But to your point about about uh, Washington, I think they handle business, man. I, I, you know, I'm nervous just because, I mean, there's the fact that you can clinch the two seed on uh, this weekend. It is so massive, um, and it would be fitting to freaking Washington. How many knockdown dragouts over the years have there been? I just that's a bad football team that I, I would imagine is going to be looking for a head coach and. Dallas and Dallas is they're, they're a good football team. Like say whatever you want. They're a good team. The one thing that I would say is somewhat worrisome. They've not been the same team on the road for whatever reason. I mean, they are you know undefeated at home and they've had their struggles elsewhere. I just, I have a hard time believing that the commanders uh, are going to have it, you know, going to show up and be able to knock the Cowboys off. But there's reason for concern just because it's a divisional game. It's a rivalry. And the Cowboys, it's not like it's crazy for them to completely disappoint and let us down when we think we've got one in the bag. So, But I, I'm confident the Cowboys win. I'll just say that. I'm confident. I, I think the Cowboys win. Uh, but I, I'm sure I'll be chewing on my fingernails Sunday afternoon until it's over. I'm picking them to win. And I think they are the much, much, much better football team but I've seen too many examples of Dallas going into a game that they are exactly that. And look, they lead the NFL in penalties, right? Like this is the type of game that maybe they, they get 12 or 13 penalties and, and uh, turn the ball over a couple times. And it's not even like the Washington commanders do anything to necessarily beat the Cowboys as much as the Cowboys just give a game away and, and 
Uh, man, if we see penalties out of the gate and sloppy play like that, immediately I am going to be sick to my stomach for approximately three to three and a half hours. I mean, they've lost seven straight. Yeah. The Cowboys are 13 they, point. Yeah, they should not. I mean, I, it would, it would be one of the worst losses <laughs> I know. that I can remember. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure there's plenty that we could go back, but in recent memory, it would be one of the bigger disappointments and worst losses that I've probably endured as an adult Cowboy fan because, and, and again, I go back to just how well they played at home. That to me is what makes this game so important. If you can solidify home field advantage, at least until the NFC championship where you would have to go to San Francisco, or if somebody could knock them off, which I would be more than okay with not having to see those jerks once again, then you got home field advantage throughout. Like the again, that doesn't guarantee you victories, but they play very well at Jerry World. So I would feel very warm and fuzzy inside if they were able to get that two seed. So Washington has nothing to play for. They are they are ready to get on vacation. They're ready to head to Mexico, and as Charles Barkley loves to say, they're ready to go fishing. Uh, the Cowboys uh, with with everything to play for. I just. I expect them to show up, be dialed in, be focused, be ready to go, and I expect to handle business. I I hope that happens. I hope that uh, it it feels like it's over as soon as it starts. And uh, uh, I just I have this this sinking feeling, like they'll probably win, but it, but it'll be much closer than it should be because they they just won't play a sharp well, brand of football. What, what does the um, what exactly the playoff uh, picture? So currently. If if they do indeed win, and and they get in, they are what they're going to play. The, is it the Rams? Is that who they're matched up with right now? Is it the? It, I think it would either be the Rams or would it be? I think the Packers are potentially an option, right? Packers. I, I, I think it depends now. which way the the final playoff spots fall. The Rams have guaranteed themselves a playoff spot, but they haven't locked into the six. If if they win, I think that they uh, they lock into the six, correct? And I then that's so, right. I got to be honest with you, I wouldn't love to see the Rams. <laughs> they, I think that I thought they've had a a pretty nice year. So right now you've got the Packers, Seahawks, and and um, Saints all sitting there at eight and eight. So. And Minnesota, New Orleans, Atlanta. Like, I, I think there's still a bunch of teams that, depending on which way all these games go, it could reshuffle in a bunch of different ways. Golly, are the, are the, are the Falcons? Are the Bears actually mathematically? Bears are mathematically in the out. Playoff yeah. hunt for that seven seed? Bears are out. They're mathematically okay, eliminated. They're out. Okay, okay. So it goes down to Minnesota at seven and nine. That's that's as far Minnesota, as it goes. Well, Minnesota and Chicago, I believe, are both seven and nine. But due to tiebreakers, like Chicago w- wouldn't yeah. be able to to get there at all. And then you have Tampa and New Orleans are both eight and eight in the South. Atlanta seven and nine. And then, like you said, the Rams have clinched a spot. Uh, and then you have Seattle at eight and eight, who who still has the possibility of of getting something. And yeah, it's it's there, there's still a bunch of scenarios on the table, which. I guess it makes makes Sunday a lot of fun in, in the sense that there are just so many possibilities as far as which way all of this lands. Especially for us Cowboys fans. It's going to be a fun Sunday, there's no doubt. And, boy, with the you got that Sunday, the National Championship Monday. 
It's going to be a fun couple of days of football, my friend. No doubt about it. Um, I obviously will, uh, we will make picks and talk more about the championship game on Monday. I have talked myself into both sides of it multiple times this Same. week. I, I will say presently I'm leaning toward Michigan, but I, I don't feel good about it. So that's where I'm, I'm in. The, I'm in the exact same boat. I've gone back and forth up and down. Um, I just, I fall back on, I, I'm kind of an old school guy blocking and tackling the basic fundamentals. I haven't seen a better team on film this year or in person that blocks and tackles better than Michigan. And I think somehow Jim Harbaugh with all the sign stealing scandal with all the, you know, everything this this black cloud of noise that's been around this program. I truly believe he has turned that into a positive. I, I truly believe. And it's, it's a, it's a masterful job by him because if you didn't have a good foundation, a good culture, it could fracture everything and throw everything off, but they do have a good foundation. They do have a good culture and his messaging, you know, uh, in front of the cameras and away from the cameras, I truly believe has brought this team even closer. They have a us versus the world mentality. And I, I think honestly, like is, the scandal aside, the fact that they've had all this adversity and they found a way to for it to make them better, that's a hell of a job by a head coach, even though he's the reason they're in this adversity. <laughs> right. Right. Like right? he said he had a comment two days ago that was just wild. He said, uh, I think he said it's a um it's an unfair advantage we have that all this happened this year. Like spinning, like the, like it's just like it's like Jedi mind tricks. He's pulling on all of us, uh, but but to their credit, regardless if he's been on the sidelines or he hasn't, this team's just been rolling. And I, as we sit here today, I could change by Monday. I'm leaning Michigan too. I think it's gonna be a heck of a game, though. Agreed, agreed. We haven't had a single digit game in five years. In fact, the last five national championship games, Dusty, the average margin of victory, and and last year skews it a little bit, but twenty nine point two points per game is the average margin of victory over the last five games. That's that's awful. Yeah, it's not good. I don't want that. It's give good. me give me a, a game that comes down to the final play. We got that in Hopefully. both. Of the semifinals, we can only hope for that for our national championship. No doubt. We'll break it all down on Monday, my friend. Have a great weekend, and go Cowboys. Sounds good, buddy. Talk to you then. That is Dusty Dvorak. I am Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin. We will take a timeout. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.